0: the lord be with you thank you ryan Uh, my name is john i'm one of the pastors here at pillar it's a gift to be together on this the second sunday in the season of lent i don't know if you count time like that this is the second sunday of lent the 40 days that precede easter not including sundays that christians have set aside to sort of recenter to awaken our hearts again. I'm hoping that um, the, the song the ensemble is about to sing with us can be something of a theme melody for the season of Lent. It's called All in All. I sang it when I was a college student, like 30 years ago. We've rewritten a verse for the season of Lent. Uh, let's sing this as a bit of a prayer.
1: You are the center.
0: Son, Spirit, we live in such a fragmented world, fractured world, broken world. We're pulled and pushed into so many corners and wake up not even recognizing our own selves. So on this day, Holy Spirit, would you meet us here and in this season, this season of Lent, would you meet us here and center us again? Center us around your heart, Christ, around your way, O Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, friends. That's great. Uh, so three Mondays ago, tomorrow, does that make sense? Is that So th- 20 days ago, uh, Lydia, our oldest daughter, and I hopped on a airplane at Chicago O'Hare International Airport and flew the 11 red-eye hours to a country in the Middle East uh, to where we met five or six other Americans a part of something called Words of Hope an organization that proclaims the gospel into what they call the hard places around the world where it's illegal to be Christian the seven or eight of us met 26 Iranian Christians who had been converted well all but 3 of them had been converted uh, from Islam to Christianity, they left Iran under the guise of going on vacation. Met us in this other country, and I can't tell you where because this is live streamed and stuff. So, for the sake of security, uh, where we put on a five-day uh, discipleship conference: prayer, worship, uh, fellowship, uh, the church in Iran, I don't do anything. Anybody know anything about Iran? It's uh, let me put it this way: it's bleak at best, uh, just period baseline uh, oppression, economic, political dysfunction, uh, and if you're a Christian, it's illegal to be Christian. So it's it's flat out dangerous. You can be arrested. You can they've solitary confinement, tortured. They've even uh, executed people for following Jesus and telling others about Christ. So you can imagine meeting these. 26 iranians i mean we went to teach the faith as if we had anything to offer we were just so deeply inspired by their faith Um, the live stream is going to keep the camera on me but i want you to meet some of my uh, friends that's esther these aren't their real names by the way that's esther a 30 year old woman teaching french in iran Uh, she knows five languages uh, that's Barboad. Barboad, I'm going to be real honest with you, I think he likes my daughter Lydia. Uh, he's 20. He's learning German and Spanish so that as soon as he possibly can get out of Iran, he can start his own business. Uh, th- these are two teenagers, Yamin and Sarah. So here's the deal. In, in Iran, you have to wear the hijab, you know. The the headdress and, and the and the and the robes. So when they get out of Iran, they cannot wait to take off their headdresses to show off their cool hair, and their stylish out, outfits. Uh, this is a picture of Pastor Ali. Can you imagine being a pastor in a country where it's illegal to be Christian? Uh, his barrel chest and broad shoulders carries the weight of the persecuted church. Uh, this is Ahmed and Afat. Uh, They're looking pretty good in that picture. I I remember them looking more like in their 80s. They're actually in their 60s. I think maybe life's been a little hard. I want to tell you a story about Afat. Uh, She is hilarious. Uh, We had a conversation over Google Translate. Anybody ever used Google Translate? I mean, water into wine and Google Translate. It is absolutely incredible. I want to tell you about a conversation I had with Ephat that left me wide-eyed and jaw-dropped. Uh, but first, I want to center ourselves together around Jesus and the cross. This is from the Gospel of Mark. They were on the road uh, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. His disciples were astonished, and the crowd that followed was afraid. He, he called the disciples aside again, and he told them what was about to happen to him, saying, the Son of Man, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then he'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him. Spit on him. Flog him. And kill him. Uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant for us one to sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. And Jesus said, You do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? And can you be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said... We are able. And Jesus said, the cup I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But for you to sit one at my right and the other at my left is not mine to grant, but for those for whom it's been prepared. The ten, when they heard this, began to be angry with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, you know among the Gentiles, those they recognize as their leaders rule over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them, not so among you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. It's Mark chapter 10, 32 through 45. If you want to find it in a Bible near you, maybe you've got a smartphone. Isn't that a fascinating exchange between Jesus and James and John? I mean, Jesus has just, has just told them what's going to happen. <laughs> See, the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. They'll condemn him to death. Then he'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him. They'll spit on him. They'll flog him. And they'll kill him. And James and John, apparently not the most emotionally intelligent of the disciples, having just heard what's about to happen to Christ, show up and say, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. We'll come back to that crazy exchange. There's one detail I want to show you first. Uh, You know, Mark, the Gospels are not exercises in creative writing, right? I mean, this isn't a novelist trying to keep your attention in hopes that you'll buy the next book. Uh, Every detail is theologically sophisticated, so pay attention. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. Jesus was ahead of them. Jesus was going before them. It's kind of confusing. The disciples are astonished, and the crowd is afraid. I want you to notice, Jesus is ahead of them. Jesus is there first. Jesus is on his way before we're on our way. You see what I'm saying? We don't conjure up Christ's presence in our midst. He's already there. We just point him out. He's already there. He goes ahead of us. I was talking to a college student this past week, second semester senior, staring off into the rest of his life. You know what he's thinking about? Girls. (laughs) Just kidding. He's thinking about the future and he has no idea, and it's eating him up inside, and he can't sleep, and he's anxious. And I I just, I was walking with him. You'd see me walking around Jesus is walking ahead of you. The parent whose heart aches because their child aches too. You wouldn't want any of this for yourself or for your child. But hey, listen now. Jesus is walking ahead of you. You've been given the diagnosis and the prognosis is not good. Jesus is walking ahead of you. I had a phone call this week from a woman who's, uh, she's refusing any more treatments. It was only going to give her a couple months anyway. Talking on the Jesus is walking ahead of you. So if you're not a Christian, if you're, you know, kind of, maybe you've set, the Christian faith aside because of the narcissism of so many Christian leaders or, and it's true, or maybe the hypocrisy of so many Christians in the churches, no, obviously not this one, but other Christians in other places who might possibly be a little hypocritical sometimes. Maybe, or maybe you've set it aside because there's just so much pain and ache and confusion and sadness and frustration. If I just want to offer, if you're kind of, Maybe you're not sure about God. I just want to offer this. I hope you receive this as a word of care. Setting God aside because of the ache, pain, sadness, heartache doesn't change the ache, pain, sadness, heartache. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you could consider a God who sent his son to go ahead of us, to be there with us. We have one. How how does it go, Joe? We have one who's been tested in every way that we have. He goes ahead This is all prefatory to the real sermon. It's going to be very long. Uh, now, this conversation between Jesus, James, John, and the disciples. I mean, it's, this, it's almost like whiplash, you know? You get this sobering announcement the Son of Man's going to be handed over, you know. And James and John, like, guys, what are you doing? Were you not listening? Were you, you know, conceiving a plan, a plot for future stardom while Jesus was talking about dying? Were you, didn't you hear him? And they showed, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I know, Jesus, I know, you've been saying stuff like, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the persecuted, but we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I know, Jesus, you're all about the last and the least and the lost and the lonely, but we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I know, I think I heard you say something about deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, but we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And you kind of have to laugh at them, don't you? Because otherwise we'd cry. How much has changed? I mean, if there's a banner hanging over American Christianity, I think James and John might be our marketing gurus. Yeah, Jesus, whatever. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. We've made God out to be like this sort of like lender, this like bank teller who has infinite resources, and if only we could remember our pin number, he's obligated to give it to us. Yeah, whatever, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus, he's so generous, he's so kind. I mean, he, he doesn't, like, yell at them. I probably would. He says, all right, guys, what do you want me to do for you? And they shoot for the moon. They're like, hey, grant for us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus says, guys, you do not know what you're asking. Fellas, can you drink the cup I drink? and be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And they say, oh, yeah. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You will. You will drink the cup I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. If we conceive of a Christian faith that's sole intention is to give us whatever we want, we will find ourselves desperate and alone and confused. This is the story of the suffering servant This is the story of the one who left the eternal communion with Father and Spirit and entered into the finite realities of our lives. He gave it all up, and he went the way of the cross. This is our story. And to to excise the cross from the Christian life is to leave us disoriented. When pain happens and suffering takes place and the cross shows up, I guess... Maybe I'm critiquing American Christianity a little bit, Uh, and and as an invitation, really, this is just an invitation to center ourselves in a fragmented, fractured, distracting world, pulling you into so many different places. Wake up! You will drink the cup that I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. Yeah, whatever, Jesus. We just want you to do for us whatever we ask. Conversation goes on. Uh, the other 10, they hear James and John and Jesus, and they get upset. It says they began to be angry, not because of the inconsistency of their question with Christ's heart, because they were being left out. We want power too, we want privilege too, we want to sit at your right hand, Jesus. Hey, I'm Peter. Remember me? I'm the one you said you're going to build your church on. I want to sit at your right hand, James and John. And Jesus calls them together. So generous. I mean, he calls them together and he's like, Hey, you know among the Gentiles, those they recognize as their leaders, lorded over them? And their great ones are tyrants over them? Not so among you we're not gonna do it like that guys that's not we're we're gonna subvert the whole system we're not playing by the power games of the world we're gonna we're gonna scrap the table with the power games we're gonna subvert the whole thing we're going to the cross fellas we're gonna save the world not rule it we're gonna redeem all things follow me guys follow me guys follow me guys love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Follow me, guys. And Jesus, recognizing how hard this is for them then and us now, says, listen, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I'm going to buy you back. You've been co-opted and confiscated. I'm going to buy you back. You belong to me. You belong to the kingdom. You belong to love. Did I read for you that quote from Tim Alberta? Have I read that? No? Did I do that already? No. This is from a book titled The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. Jesus had a very different program. His kingdom is so different from what we envision as a kingdom. We think in terms of beating the other side, of winning the argument. The problem is if you win the argument, you've won Nothing. Follow me. Follow me, not just to get where you want to go. Give us whatever we ask. But as you go, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. You will drink the cup that I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. And I'm buying you back. So, uh, three Mondays ago, hop on the plane uh, to a city in the Middle East, uh, Lydia and I. Uh, met up with five or six other Americans and 26 Iranians. Uh, here's a couple more pictures. Just That's Miriam. So in, in Iran, you know, they wear the hijab and then they wear the robe that covers up to their eyes so all you can see is their eyes. They can communicate. It's crazy. They can communicate with their eyes. Miriam has deep, dark eyes. That's Mandana. She's like the Apostle Paul in Iran. She goes all over the country announcing the lordship of Jesus Christ at the threat of her life. Uh, that's Kudush. Even though I don't speak the same language, and no matter how loud I yell or how slow I talk, he still doesn't speak English. But he is he's hilarious, and you get his jokes even though you don't know the language. Uh, that's his daughters, Shago Yeg and Sogand bright, beautiful Christian women trying to navigate the contours of their lives and Christianity in a place where it's illegal. It's just amazing. Uh, And that's Afat. She's the one I want to tell you about. So Afat. uh, Well, so in Iran, you know, the hijab, they have to wear them. Uh, There's the sort of women's rights uh, movement. Have you heard about this? Uh, Women are taking off their hijabs out in public, which is, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, It's not just a style thing. Uh, so women are being arrested, killed. Uh, so these women, they get to Iran or to, to the place we were, out of Iran, and they're so happy to rip off their headdresses and their robes and show off their stylish clothes, except Afad. in this picture she's not wearing her hijab, uh, but the, the whole week she had it on, I think probably partly out of practice, you know, just customs what she's used to. And I do wonder, maybe a little bit out of fear, too. So we did this five-day discipleship thing, and uh, on Saturday night, I got to baptize Afat. She'd waited years to be baptized. Uh, pretty amazing. So I'm, I'm, we're down in the lower, like the basement of the, the hotel, and we're in a little waiting pool, and I'm, I'm uh, dipping uh, Afat down into the water, and she has bad knees, so somebody else had to lift her legs, so she's like prostrate in the water, and her hijab fell off. And one of the guys of the group took it. It was floating in the water. They they took it, and they started dancing around, singing. And I have no idea what they were saying, but I got the point, you know. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So um, I had dinner with Aphot one night, and I don't know, maybe I was tired. I was out of sorts. I must have been jet-lagged, I guess. And I asked in a moment of embarrassing weakness, having heard the story of persecution and oppression, and I'm thinking to myself, would I? And I just asked, "Afat, have you ever thought about like renouncing the faith? To make it a little easier on yourself? you ever thought about... And she looked at me with her eyes. And she communicated all I needed to hear. And then she started to laugh. Laugh. Uncontrollable laughter. And when she finally stopped laughing, through Google Translate, she answered my question. What else would I do? what else would I do? So this is a video of Afot dancing, uh, which I fully expect to happen here as the after <laughs> communion. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a little bit more like James and John, and maybe Aphot's a little bit more like Jesus. You know, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Follow me, guys. Follow me. Amen. Amen.
1: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.